The strength of the team is each individual member. The strength of each individual member is the team. That is a quote by Phil Jackson. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Welcome to episode 170. I am delighted to announce that I'll be speaking at Women in Tech, Texas on 19th through the 20th of May, 2022. This event offers an immersive educational experience for like-minded women to access proven strategies and tools to support them in their mission to achieve their career goals. Registration is now open. Book your pass today and secure a 15% discount with my special discount code. And that code is W-I-T-T-S-P-E-A-K-E-R-15. And the website is www.women-in-tech-texas.com. The topic of this week's episode is Connect and Communicate. My guest this week is Barry Moline. Barry has been bringing people together in the workplace for four decades. He calls it building teamwork. As the current executive director of the California Municipal Utilities Association, Barry knows the importance of synergy and diplomacy and what can go wrong in their absence. From his volunteer work with the U.S. Peace Corps in Guatemala to his leadership of associations, business, government, and nonprofits, Barry has strived to solve the issues of communication stagnation, siloed information, unfounded assumptions, and more by teaching his staff and his colleagues to relate to one another. There is power in sharing our personal stories as a means of communication. Hi, Barry. Welcome to Trina Talk. Trina, it is great to be with you. I'm so excited to talk about communication and business and anything that comes up. <laughs> I'm excited to speak with you as well. Um, we had a pre-interview conversation, so that went well. So I know the interview is going to go well. But how I start off is I always ask my guests to tell the listeners who you are and what made you the Barry that you are today. Well, I'm Barry Moline. Let's see. You know, I, I think that the the way that I think about answering that uh, before I answer it is: do I do I respond by talking about me as a person at home, as a as a husband, as a father? Am I my resume? Am you know? Am I my career? Um, you know, am I a person in the community? And I think that that uh, over time, that 
my response has probably shifted um, in the, I think during the sort of the, uh, the ascension of my career, I really focused on that. And I would say that I, you know, I'm the CEO of the California Municipal Electric Association. And in, in that job, I work with electric utilities and water agencies, and we're doing everything we can to, to address a drought in California. And we're fighting climate change on the electric side. And that would be the thing that would define me. I think that now I look at myself a little more holistically and, and uh, I, I think about myself as, um, you know, as a, as a person in the community and as a, as a husband and as a father and, uh, you know, looking at the branches of my life that are of equal importance because I need to, to balance all of those elements. So it's shifted over time. I think today I would say that uh, I would focus a little bit more on the personal part. And and also probably one more thing in that I'm eager to help others in their journeys along the way. You know, that's interesting how you you went through the different phases, because I think we all do that. I think at one point we think we're our resume. And, you know, we're instead of telling who we really are, we're saying, oh, well, this is my job title. This is what I do. But I think as you get older, you take the approach of, no, this is who I am, you know, inclusive and holistically. And, you know, there's so many different facets to me. You know, I'm not just my business or who I work for. I'm so many other things. So I'm glad you actually took that approach, because a lot of times I think people don't know how to answer that. And I love how you answered it because that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for who you are, not the title. Um, But yeah, thank you for answering that that way. So let's get on with the interview. So you actually, you wrote a book and like you said, expert in communication, you've done some research. So go ahead and let's, let's talk about that. Tell me about your book and what you're doing and how you like to help others. So, yeah, I wrote a book called Connect, How to Quickly Collaborate for Success in Business and Life. And I'm and I consider myself an expert in communication not because I studied communication to write the book, which which I did. I really consider it because I've been through so many um I don't know, interesting, uneven, challenging experiences with communication that I had to figure out like, what the heck is going on here? Like, oh my gosh. Like, and then look that up and figure out how to resolve that. I've had so many, I don't want to say problems, but so many interesting challenges that over time I've seen a lot. Now, I don't know that I've seen everything, but I've seen a lot. And I've learned about all the different kinds of people and ways that people communicate I'm not too surprised by anything that I see anymore. And uh, so when I, when I talk about communication and, and the importance of, of connecting with each other uh, and how that leads to better performance in organizations, you know, I, I come at it from the perspective of, of I have screwed up an awful lot when it's come to communication and I've learned 
how you know the best communicators work. I've tried to adopt those. And then, of course, you know, I wrote about them. Actually, about half the book is uh, consists of case studies of people and organizations that have successfully used collaboration and communication to achieve a higher level. So, uh, so just the idea that you know I'm I'm an expert, a quote unquote expert, is mostly just because I've been in the trenches and seen a lot. And, you know, I still, uh, you know, even just this morning, we were walking the dogs and my wife said, you know, you're walking a little bit in front of me, you know, for a little bit too long here. Are you avoiding me? It's like, no, no, no. I'm just being pulled by the dog. You know, it's like, okay, I just wasn't sure. Maybe you were avoiding me. And I thought, okay, well, there's a communication issue I need to, to uh, you know, think about is you need to, you know, walk closer to your wife when you're walking the dogs. So things come up all the time. <laughs> yeah, you know, and let's talk about that. And we'll delve into the personal side of that as well. But let's talk about that with business and your teams. Because no one likes to likes to feel that they don't know how to communicate. But so many of us don't, especially in business. So let's talk about what you've seen and how you go about rectifying that or helping others to rectify that? Well, I I actually wrote the book because I had seen a steady, steady decline in people's ability to communicate in a variety of organizations that I was working with. And I'm a trade association director, so I deal with organizations and a lot of people. And I had seen a lot of friction over time and I wondered why this was happening. So I began to research organizations that were successful in communication and collaboration. And I found these good examples and, and I was seeing, okay, well, these organizations are, are not doing well, others are doing better. What are those best practices? And so that gave me the, the impetus and the motivation to, uh, to write the book, um, I, I can tell you what I found, uh, you know, in a, in a nutshell. So, so just like cutting the chase, like what's the what's the punchline, <laughs> and, and that is that people work better together when they know each other, and they don't have to know each other's complete history and every detail about their lives, but they just want to know a little bit about each other, and when they know a little bit about each other. They start to like each other. And when they like each other, they want to do a good job. And this is important. They want to do a good job for each other. Now, we work for organizations and we'd like to say we're doing a good job for the organization, you know, for the to accomplish the vision and the mission. But really, it's our colleagues that we're working for. We are on a team. We want to work together. We want to support each other. And the more we know each other, the, the better we're going to do and the better the team is going to perform. So the way you do that is by sharing personal stories about each other. And they don't have to be real deep. They can just be, how was your weekend? What are you streaming? Learning a little bit about each other. Of course, those kind of conversations grow a little bit more. Still, they don't have to get too personal. I can tell you that during covid uh, 
our staff who, you know, we're all working from home. We actually got closer because we were meeting two to three times a week for a short amount of time. And we, uh, we were sharing things that were going on in our lives. Sometimes our fears, a lot, a lot of folks are dealing with those fears in COVID, but also just what was happening with our families. And we had people with young children. We had people who were dealing with aging parents. We had a couple of people that were dealing with sicknesses in their households. And we all helped each other during those times. I was actually a little surprised at how much sharing people did. And I didn't even encourage it, but it just kind of happened. So we actually got closer during COVID because we talked more often. And, and that to me was sort of an unanticipated example, you know, that I wrote about in the book, you know, that's what the best organizations do is they, they talk to each other, you know, before meetings, they chat, they do some icebreakers, uh, you know, things like, what are you streaming? How was your weekend? Where are you going on vacation? Those kind of things. Now that we're going on vacation again, a little bit. And, uh, but ultimately when you do that, that's the gateway into building a great team and being effective as an organization. So I agree with that. I like that. But here's my question for you. Now, those conversations kind of organically happen. Like you saying, you were surprised that it happened. It wasn't something that you said, oh, you know, we're all going to do the sharing thing. But my question is, and for the listeners out there who are in an environment where they don't feel like the person they're talking to, they can trust or that the person is really authentic and cares. How do you go into something like that? Because you're knowing this person is probably just asking you this just because, and and I'll give this example. And I've given this example several times on the show where I have a problem with people in management or leadership positions who really don't care about their people So when I was working, I had a second line supervisor who was the boss of my boss who would always say, hi, Trina, how are you doing? How are your two boys? I don't have two boys. And I told this person this several times repeatedly. I don't have two boys. But yet every time they saw me, they would ask me, how am I and my two boys? So finally, it got to a point where I said, you know what? I'm not going to even correct them because it doesn't even matter. They don't really care. It's a waste of my time. So what do you do when you have someone like that who you know really doesn't care and is not taking a genuine interest? And like you say, I'm not saying you have to tell someone your deepest, darkest secret, but when you're in an environment like that, how do you overcome that to continue on? Well, let's look at it from two ways. First, uh, let's, we'll, go, we'll go to your example in just a second. The, the first way that I want to talk about it is in how you can control it. So you're initiating the conversation. You're the one now that is saying, hmm, this is important to me. I'm going to try to reach out to folks and learn a little bit about them. So we're talking about sort of like the opposite of what this guy did. So when you can do that, when you have the opportunity to reach out to others, then do so. You know, try to ask those questions in a meaningful way, you know, in in a way that, that uh, shows that you actually are interested. And, and then even if somebody doesn't respond, 
immediately to that. You know, you're like, again, you're the one who's initiating the conversation and somebody is not being as responsive as maybe you'd like, you know, not being as like, hey, yeah, let me tell you about things that are going on. Um, be persistent. That's the point is be persistent. So you're the one, you're initiating the conversation. They're, sometimes they're responsive, but if they're not, continue to, to do so. You're going to be consistent and persistent. And over time, they will know at least who you are. And when it's time for you two to work together, they will know the kind of person that you are. You can only do what you can to show yourself, show your heart, and and you just have to hope that other people will open up. So again, this is you initiating that effort. Now, to the example that you described, somebody who is, you know, not being uh, very authentic and in their asking about how things are going. Um, you know, th- this is uh, ultimately, it's, it's in your situation, you got a little, uh, I don't know, I don't know if I'd say fed up, but, you know, tired of, of him not understanding the details about your life or maybe not even realizing who you were. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, a couple things. One is, you accepted it. You were just like, whatever, uh, you know, I'll, uh, you know, you could keep correcting him and saying, I don't have two boys. I don't have two boys. Uh, you know, you could, you could have fun and you can say, oh yeah, we went to the white house last week with my two boys. Uh, you, you can make something up. Oh yeah. We went up in Jeff Bezos rocket, you know, yeah. and, and just see what happens. I agree with you. It's difficult. It's difficult when somebody is sort of cavalier and doesn't take an interest and it's just kind of a drag. Now I would say this, that if in this, in this example, let's just, now let's move to sort of a third example. Uh, You have the opportunity, you're in a situation where this kind of connection is not going on. Maybe it's a, it's a, a staff, you know, gets together for meetings but they're not connecting. They're not taking the time to learn about each other. And there are people who are on the staff who are, they know each other. And there are some that are, you know, maybe considered to be outsiders. Mm -hmm. If you believe as I do that these, that connecting with, with everyone is valuable, pull your supervisor aside one-on-one and and say hey let's try this you know can we can we look at doing a, you know a quick icebreaker before a meeting you know talking about something like streaming or weekends or vacations or um you know i have some other examples that that we'll talk about and uh, and and if the supervisor is a little uncomfortable with that because if it may not be sort of in their wheelhouse to ask those kinds of questions just say hey I'll do it. I'll lead the effort. And we'll, it'll just take five minutes. We'll go around the room real fast. Everybody just talks for 15 seconds and then we'll move on. And realizing that the goal is not to have a lengthy conversation. The goal is to, is to if we're talking about streaming, it's, it's two things. One is to learn that like, hmm, you know, Joe sure likes, uh, you know, action mm-hmm. shows. 
oh, you know, and Sarah sure likes, uh, you know, love stories. Those are the kind of things that you get to learn about people. And then later you can have a longer conversation at a break, either on a Zoom or in their office, if we're in the office, but either way, you initiate a conversation for later that allows you to develop a, a relationship. And, and that's one way where you can be a catalyst in, in a group where there's maybe not a lot of interest in, in doing it or the boss doesn't have that interest, but you can say, let me give it a shot and I'll uh, uh, see if we can get some folks talking and what I found is that I used to really dislike icebreakers. I just <laughs> thought they were stupid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people would, would ask, you know, how, what would be the name of your boat or your yacht, if you owned a yacht? Or, uh, you know, what's a, what's a favorite comfort food from your, from your childhood? Mm-hmm. And, and I just thought, this is so stupid. Why are we doing this? And then we do it and people would talk about, you know, favorite foods from their childhoods and, and they would get excited. And then at a break, you know, we'd say, you know, can I get a recipe for that chocolate cake? Cause it really sounded good the way you described it. And those kinds of small conversations help you build bridges to others that then when, when they're talking, mm-hmm. you go like, you know, I kind of like, her. I kind of like him. Uh, you know, I, let's, let's exchange ideas. Let's build on those ideas. It's kind of strange, but it works. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I, I really get it. And part of the show is I love talking about successes, but I also like talking about failures because we're all human. We all have those. So tell me about some of your communication failures that actually made you, made you stop and say, you know what? here's some, some issues and the reason why you wrote the book and started really paying attention to speak on this. I've had a few in my life. Unfortunately, I can count them on one hand. And I would say that, uh, you know, I was part of the problem uh, for whatever reason. And, and I tried to learn from the problems you know, in a, in a, uh, I, I think a lot of the the situations where I wasn't a good communicator, they, where, where I would say, I guess, uh, you know, sharing the responsibility, both me and my conversation partner uh, were not good communicators. And these are situations where maybe they extended over a period of time. We had an issue to resolve. And we just couldn't do it. And instead of focusing on the issue, we focused too much on each other and like, "Mm, I don't like that person. I don't like that person. And, and then let those thoughts sort of override some of the things that came out of our mouths. And uh, so, so that's where, where the failures came into play is, is it's almost like having a uh, um, you know a little angel on your shoulder who's whispering in your ear, saying, "Talk about this the you know the problem you're trying to solve, 
don't worry whether they're a Democrat or a Republican. You know, don't focus on that. Don't focus on whether they believe in vaccines or not. Don't attack them because of that. You know, don't talk about the, you know, their, uh, you know, their history or their background. Just come back and focus on the issue that's right in front of you, the, the problem you're trying to solve. If you if you can reel yourself in, if you can have that little angel sitting on your shoulder saying, time out, time out, don't insult anybody, just focus on the issue because it, it's sometimes hard. Sometimes people will attack you mm-hmm. and you go like, hmm, well, I want to attack them back because it feels so good. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, and you focus back on the issue, you'd be surprised. One of two things will happen. The conversation will end because they want to talk about, they want to fight with you about who you are and what you believe in, or you will actually talk about the issue. So, you know, you'll actually start to solve some problems. One of my uh, favorite uh, people, an old, old friend, uh, I live in California. He lives in Florida, and I used to live in Florida. And he is different political party for me, a lot of different beliefs, but we know we have very similar family values. It's extremely similar. We are solid on the importance of family. That's all. We just love family. And we we get into conversations and we try to focus on facts. And it's, and I love those conversations because we're dealing with tough issues like climate change or religion uh, or politics. And one of us will say something and the other will say, now, where'd you hear that? Mm-hmm. And, and I have to say, hmm, well, I did hear it from my next door neighbor, <laughs> you know, as opposed to, <laughs> as opposed to, you know, something being science-based or, or who knows what. Right. And, and so we'll call each other on those things and then kind of laugh about it because we always come back to that core of we, we love each other so much that we want to actually engage in a positive conversation. Yeah. And I, I love what you're saying because I think in the world today, I think we've forgotten that we're all humans. And I think a lot of times, like you said, deep down, we have some of the same core beliefs. You know, we love our families. We want to do well. And I think so much has been taken to really polarize and politicize things that now that's all you hear. You know, it's this party, that party, you know, did you get this? Did you get that? And it's like, you know, and people forget that we're human instead of saying, you know what? You know, we're we're human. You know, I can agree to disagree with you. You can believe on, you know, that you can be a part of whatever party that you want to support. And I could do this the opposite, but that doesn't change who we are. That doesn't mean that we can't be communicating together or be friends or whatever. And in your investigation, why is that such a thing? that has destroyed our communication and just our respect to humankind. I think we've just forgotten that we all are people. Mm-hmm. I, I have this, uh, this philosophy that I have to come back to 
when I find I'm disagreeing with somebody is that everybody has something going on. And we all hide those little things that are going on and they might've been just getting up on the wrong side of the bed. It might be something involved with our direct family. It might be parents, might be children. It might be something going on at work. We all have something. And, uh, and when we can connect with each other on that level, or at least give each other the benefit of the doubt that everybody's got something, then we give each other a little more grace. We're a little more patient with each other, recognizing that we're all humans. And uh, I, I think to, uh, to answer your question, it's we forget that. We forget that we're actually talking to, you know, another person that God put here on this earth and they have value. So it, it's good for us to, to remember that and try to find something that we can agree on or something in our lives. The, the most, you know, hideous person that we might disagree with, you know, on an issue you know, pick any issue that we strongly believe in, you know, we might be completely simpatico with them on so many other issues. And the key is to try to find some of those more simpatico issues to try to build those bridges. It's hard. It's hard when we're, when we're faced with those, with those tough issues and we want to sort of, um, you know, just polarize folks. Of course, we're surrounded by, uh, cable news and politics where that, uh, that yelling is, uh, the norm mm -hmm. and it's an example that, it, or I should say a poor example of how people communicate. It's not the, the way to do it. Uh, and when we find ourselves lapsing into that, we need to realize, you know, that's not normal. That's entertainment. Right. And, they're, they're doing it for another reason, just to get eyeballs on TV and ratings. So in our daily conversations, we're not trying to get eyeballs and ratings. We're trying to work with people and advance in, in, our, uh, in our organizations, advance in our communities, you know, make the world a better place. So the example of, of cable news and politics does not transfer to the things that happen, you know, just out there walking the dog on the street and talking with neighbors. Right. Right. So give us some of your um, tips for building that great communication with colleagues and teams, or even like you were saying uh, with your spouse or children, because um, you, you brought up the example of you walking the dog with your wife so what are some ways, because we already talked about the uh, icebreaker, but what are some other ways that you have that we can really improve our communication to connect with other people? Well, let me just tell you one of my favorite icebreakers, and, and maybe I shouldn't call it an icebreaker. Let's call it a conversation sparker. I don't know, kind of the same thing, but, uh, but it's my favorite. And that is when I find myself in a situation meeting someone new, maybe I'm at a party and, you know, want to introduce myself to someone. 
and we do that. It's like, well, what do you do next? Uh, one is to just ask, um, well, hold on. Uh, one is to ask, what's got your attention these days? What's got your attention these days? And everybody's got something going on in their world. And it might be taking care of children. It might be something at work. It might be a sports team. It could be anything that they're focused on. It might just be for the morning they were paying attention to something. But everybody's paying attention to something. And it's a great question to ask, particularly if you don't know if somebody is retired or working. So, you know, you could ask, you know, what do you, what's your job or what do you do during the day? Uh, you know, or, you know, like it's just, it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Or if you ask about a job and they're not working, like, well, that could be awkward. Like, okay, so you're retired. Well, what do you do? You know, like mm-hmm. that's kind of a, you know, a strange uh, road to go down. But if you just say, what's got your attention these days, then everybody's paying attention to something. So that's kind of a, a fun one that I really like to ask. And the other is, where are you from? Mm. Everyone loves talking about their journey, where they grew up, and then how they got to where they are today. We all move around in, in the world. Some people have grown up in the same place, but nevertheless, uh, you find out a lot of interesting things uh, about where people are from. And if you haven't been to a place where they're from, you can ask, what was it like? And tell me about it. So you can get people to talk about their life and their journey and really have an interesting conversation. The, the other is to be conscientious of the amount of time that you're talking. You want to keep a conversation going 50-50 if you can. And that is when you find yourself talking too much, like I am right now, I, I'm thinking, I'd really like to know more about Trina. You know, she keeps asking me these questions, but I'd really like to know more about Trina. It's good to have that running through your head to think, I think I'm talking a little bit much. Let me, let me ask a, a few questions about Trina and find out about her journey or <laughs> what's got atten- you know, her attention these days so that I can shut my mouth and learn more about you. Mm-hmm. So those are, you know, one, one way to spark up conversations. And then another one to try to, you know, constantly remember to, to listen. It's not so much listen more. Uh, what I find, <laughs> this is kind of strange, but uh, I'm kind of a bad listener. And I, it, I hate to admit that, but it's a, it's a little bit true. And what I do to force myself to listen is to use filler words like, hmm, interesting, you know, tell me more. And, and those words to me are saying to me, shut your mouth, you know, give somebody feedback that you want to, you want them to continue talking and, uh, and then ask the question, you know, tell me more about that so that I spend more time trying to listen 
and hear stories about you. Uh, so I can talk myself a little bit less because I'm probably talking a little bit too much. Well, this is my show and it's an interview, so you're not talking too much. <laughs> yeah, I know. But if we were, you know, at a party, uh, right. I would be, I'd be thinking to myself, gosh, I am talking way too much and I really need mm-hmm. to focus on Trina. <laughs> no, I, I get it. Um, and actually I like the questions because I hate the questions when people say, well, what do you do? Because when I, a lot of times I didn't like telling people what I did because it, just because it would lead to places where I didn't want to talk about. Right. So it's like, uh, but you know, if you're saying what's got your attention or where are you from? That's good. Um, and I'm, I'm a very good listener. At least that's what I've been told from these interviews, but <laughs> I think I am. Um, but I also, it's funny because I have been in a situation where you, you approach someone and you're like, Oh, you know, where are you from? What do you do? And you get the, Yes, no, you know, just a very quick one. You're going, hmm, okay, you're very talkative. Let me mosey, you know, mosey on to somebody else, which is very awkward because you're trying to engage with the person and they're pretty much telling you, I don't want to talk. And almost, I almost prefer them to say, well, you know what? Leave me alone. I don't want to talk. Um, so it's very awkward. But besides, you know, my method of, okay, leave, is there any else thing else that I should do? Well, be persistent. And that is, it it does work. It does work over time. It does work in general with most people. And who knows, they may have something going on in their life. They may be distracted by something. And and that's the reason why. Don't take it personally. That's the point. You're a lovely person. And you know that. So that's your core. Don't worry about what other people, what other people's reactions are. If at this particular moment, they weren't in the mood to talk, you know, that's okay. That's okay. There's, there are other people to talk to. And it's, what's important is that you continue to make that effort with others because it does work. It (laughs) does work over time. And I've seen it a million times that it does take time. I had a staff person uh, um, many years ago, who, whenever we got into a meeting, and this wasn't about doing icebreakers, this was just about work stuff. We'd be going through the agenda, and she was in charge of the uh, IT department. And we would be talking about uh, a variety of issues, and then we would say, hmm, well, how does that impact, you know, our computer profile, or do we have enough storage space, or what you know, what forms do we need to develop on the computer or whatever? And she would uh, be real quiet. She would say, hmm, you know, I don't know. Let me think about it. And we were all trying to brainstorm in the meeting. And she was being, uh, you know, she wasn't cooperating. It seemed like she wasn't cooperating. And then that's what it looked like on the outside. Like, hmm, she's not cooperating. What's, what's going on with that? And that happened a few times, and I decided to sit down with her and and ask, you know, what's going on? You know, in meetings, we need your input, and it seems like you're not cooperating. Everybody's getting this feeling like you're not part of the team. And over time, she said, well, I'm afraid I'll say something stupid. Mm -hmm. Like, ah, 
Okay, well, think about it this way. On IT, we are all stupid. I mean, like the rest of the staff, we know nothing. We know zero and you're the expert. So anything you say, just say gobbledygook, we'll say, oh, okay, I guess we need to do that. And we laughed about that. Ultimately, what she understood was that she was the expert and we needed her input. And even if she said, you know, that's an interesting question, uh, I'm going to think about that and then I'll get back to the group. That's a better answer than no, uh, or, you know, I don't want to talk about it. So it gave her the opportunity to say, to, to have a few different responses. Now, what I did then or next was before we had a meeting, I would talk to her in advance about the agenda. And I'd say, I think on these two items, we're going to be talking about IT issues and we would need your input on a couple of things. So give some thought to, uh, you know, to how you might address those in advance. And then when we got into the meeting, she had already formed some ideas and it just gave her a little bit more, you know, energy to, uh, and plus the, the recognition that she knew, you know, from me that she was the expert. Uh, so having that one-on-one conversation in advance helped tee her up to be more comfortable with participating. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good idea because yeah, no one wants to feel like they're stupid in the meeting or their ideas are going to be shut down. So um, that that's actually a, a great idea. This episode is being sponsored by True Vision. Have you lost hope in starting your business? Lost steam or just do not know where to go from here? See with True Vision and define your path. The True Vision project seeks to heal, rebuild, and transform your online business from the inside out. For more information and early access for only Trina Talk listeners into the True Vision project, send an email to connect at definingpaths.info. Make sure to mention that you heard about it on Trina Talk. All right, so Bear, we're going to go into our questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. You said that with a little trepidation, but we're going to go ahead. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I think I'm ready. <laughs> Wait, uh, a favorite book. Is that, is that one no, of them? No. no, uh, no. <laughs> how about favorite food? I got No all favorite these. food, no favorite colors. Oh, man. But here it is. Who or what motivates you? Who or what motivates you? You didn't give these to me in advance, did you? No, and I'm no, no, nope, nope, never do. Um, the well, the the phrase uh, persistence motivates me, and what I've learned in life is that not everybody's ready for my crazy ideas all the time. But over time, if I keep going back to them, you know, the world will, you know, will turn in my direction. And maybe I'm a little bit ahead of the, you know, of the curve. And being persistent, not being annoying, but being persistent uh, allows you to open doors and uh, and share ideas and hopefully get heard. And of course it helps. And, and I'm not saying that, that I'm right, but, uh, 
but it helps when when you have an idea that's reasonable, you know, to want to try something. I've been persistent on things and say, we need to try this. We need to do this. And then we've tried it and it's failed. Mm -hmm. And I feel as though I've been persistent to run the idea to ground and learn that it was a failure. And that's a good thing too. So even when somebody like on my staff comes to me and says, hey, I have a great idea. Let's try something. And like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's a, it's going to work. I I think to myself, you know what? Uh, if I, if it was me, I'd be persistent. Let's let's give them a shot. We try it. Hopefully, we try it in a little bite at a time. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. In my life, I've found that being persistent is the is the is a great motivator for just getting out of bed and and trying something new each day. Mm. What demotivates you? <sighs> well, what, what demotivates me are people that are inauthentic. And I will just sort of like clam up okay. if I see someone, if I'm around someone who I think is sort of like, a huckster or a, or, you know, to me, sales is not about me uh, trying to get you to do something and then you pay me. That's, I mean, I'm sure some people feel as though that's what sales is all about. It doesn't matter what the solution is as long as I get paid. My, My goal when it comes to something like sales is to see if there's a match between what I'm offering or what you're offering and the needs that we have. That's what sales is all about. And when I see somebody who's just trying to hawk their wares and they don't care about the person they're talking to or selling to, it really bugs me and I just shut down. So that's a huge demotivator to me. Mm. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good? Mm, it worked for my good. Um, uh, I, I've had a few incidents, uh, in my life, you know, three quickly come to mind and they're all, and they're all kind of, um, weird. One was, uh, I was on a golf course and, and, I was not a good golfer. I was like a very beginner golfer and I was playing a a game with some other golfers and I just wasn't good. And one of the people on our team who was a very good golfer said to me after we played, he said something like, um, you know, you're, you're not very good under pressure because, you know, on the golf course today, you did really poorly when, you know, it really mattered and we needed to get a good shot. And, and I thought, no, I'm just really a bad golfer, man. So I didn't say that, but I, I thought you don't know me and you're just going off that sort of impression you got and trying to, you know, correlate one thing, my poor (laughs) skills at golf with, 
what you think I can do under pressure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I have thought about that from time to time is like, be careful with your impressions. I want to say first impressions, but, you know, be careful with your impressions of people and don't try to, you know, say, well, if they're not doing a, a good job over here, you know, they'll do a bad job elsewhere. Maybe they'll, they were just out of their element. Uh, the second one was I had a, a boss many, many years ago who just, uh, I was, I was asking for a promotion that, well, there was a, there was a job open and he said, I just don't see you as a leader in, you know, in, uh, in that position. And it was his job to, uh, fill that position. And it was his opinion. You know, there was nothing I could do about it. This is after, you know, having an interview and, and I thought I'm going to prove that guy wrong. Mm -hmm. And it was before I became a CEO now for 25 years. And I wouldn't say that I spent my life proving him wrong, but nevertheless, when he said that to me, I thought, uh, I don't know why he thinks that, but I'm going to do whatever I can to be perceived as a leader and to exude leadership in other ways in my life. So that was kind of a, a bad thing that happened that allowed me to look at my life and say, hmm, maybe I'm not doing things quite right. Maybe I need to, to develop some leadership skills. And the third one, weird, is I, when I was 16, I wanted to wear contact lenses. Mm-hmm. And I went to uh, uh, an ophthalmologist. So an optometrist is, you know, we just go to the store to get glasses and contacts, but an ophthalmologist is somebody who, you know, they're, they're more like the eye doctor part of the doctor. And uh, I was at an eye doctor and I, and I had done the, you know, whatever my, uh, uh, the checkup was. And I asked the, the doc, um, you know, I'm interested in contacts. And he said, you would be a bad contact wearer because every time I try to get close to your eyes, you shut your eyes. I, you've got to be able to get close to your eyes and you would be a bad contact wearer. And I was 16. When I was 27, I went to an optometrist to get glasses and I got the checkup and the optometrist said, have you ever thought about wearing contacts? And I said, well, you know, I think I'd be a bad contact wearer. And he said, where'd you hear that? And I told him the story that I just told you at age 16, you know, my ophthalmologist said I'd be a bad contact wearer. And he said, I'll have you in contacts in the next 15 minutes and you'll be fine. And I thought, okay, that's changing the script. And sure enough, he taught me how to do it. And that was a huge life lesson for me in you can overcome a lot. We have a lot of negative scripts that run through our heads. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I'll never be able to do that. It's like, no, actually, if you just study up a little bit, if somebody teaches you, you know, how to do it, 
you can do a whole awful lot. You might not be, you know, uh, a major league baseball pitcher, or you may not be able to sing the super sing the Star Spangled Banner at the Super Bowl, but there's a lot of stuff in the 90% that you'd be surprised at how much you can do in your life if somebody just said, Oh, let me just tell you, you know, a couple little secrets about it. So we have to be, you know, wary of those negative scripts that that uh run through our heads. Love it. What is your fear? <laughs> wow. You know, I, I'm sitting in a chair, but I feel like I should be on a couch. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I am 64 years old and I'm very active with exercise and I play hockey and I'm a hockey referee and I've been doing those things since I was 10. So I've been doing them a long time. And I go to a, well, a kickboxing gym, but I don't get hit. You know, you just, it's, you know, you just punch things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you just punch, um, you know, bags and things, but it's very active. You're jumping around and doing sit-ups and burpees and all kinds of things. And, and I, I'm a little afraid that I'm going to like really injure myself <laughs> doing one of these things. And, and, and then, you know, I won't be able to, uh, you know, just like walk my dogs for a while or something and, and, uh, or who knows what, but I, I'm really cautious about that because I really love to be active. And, and I think, you know, you're 64 and you're still playing hockey. You think you should still be doing that? Well, I really like it. Yeah, I, I want to, I want to, maybe I should just be a little careful. Maybe I shouldn't go into the boards and, and try to, you know, mess with that guy. Uh, you know, so I do back off a little bit, uh, but bottom line is, yeah, is that's one thing that I'm a little afraid of is, is doing some permanent damage in one of my crazy, uh, um, athletic things. I'm not, I'm not jumping out of airplanes, but mm. you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is your definition of success? That is a great question. Um, because it's changed in, in my life, uh, just like we talked, uh, about earlier, how I perceive myself and, I used to think success was um, was leading an organization or being paid a lot of money or having a lot of money in the bank uh, or who knows what. And that was it. And we see this kind of perception on TV shows, you know, the with movie stars and, you know, like the show Billions and mm -hmm. so on and so forth. And uh, I truly believe i absolutely believe and i have completely let go of of all of that and that is it's really the relationships that we have with people and i've really tried to focus on those relationships and, and it's not just those within my family like my wife and kids and and so on but it's it's people that if you're hearing any shaking or, or noise <laughs> in the background do you hear any of that i yeah. hear it yeah yeah that's, Don't worry. I, I have a dog too. He's done it a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of my dogs. All right, I just took off her collar. <laughs> um, 
And, and the, uh, I've, I've really tried to focus on or reaching out to people sort of everywhere. And I, I'll tell you the story in, in just a second, but I want to really emphasize that because what I found is when I don't spend time trying to get to know somebody, then I sort of, Im, uh, sort of immediately, you know, if we're working on something together, I'll take a misstep. I'll assume something that's incorrect. And it's, uh, I, I found that the more time that I spend getting to know people, uh, even when I'm a little annoyed with them and just asking them, you know, like, Hey, what's going on? Anything happening, you know, that you'd like to chat about? I find things out and it pulls me back from the edge of my annoyance or my anger. And, uh, it's, you know, that's turned out better. The, the story that, that I want to tell you is that this sort of turned around for me you know, at a particular moment, uh, my, my daughter was in junior high school and kids, you know, will just say the darndest things. (laughs) And we were going through the checkout line at the grocery store and I communicated the way I normally would, which was when the checkout or the cashier said, uh, did you find everything? Okay. And I said, yep. And she said, uh, sure is nice weather we're having. And I said, yep. She said, hey, how about the Knowles? They're doing good. And that was the Florida State Seminoles in Tallahassee. And they were having a really good year. And I said, yep, they're doing good. And got our groceries bag. And we had taken about three steps away from that counter. I was pushing the cart. And my daughter said, you know, dad, you weren't very nice to that lady. And I thought to myself, huh, I I don't know. And I I said to her, I wasn't not nice to her. I I was neutral. Yeah, yeah, I was neutral. Uh, You know, I wasn't wasn't nice or not nice. I was neutral. And she said, well, I don't know what it seemed like to you, but to me, it seemed like you weren't very nice. And we walked on a little bit farther to the car. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I've got enough people in my life. I don't need to have a relationship with the cashier. You know, that's okay. And then we walked along a little, a little farther. And I thought, well, I really wasn't that nice to her. I certainly wasn't nice. And I can see what she's talking about. And, and then I put the groceries in the back of the car and I sat down in the driver's seat and she was next to me in the front seat. And I turned to Emily and I said, you know, Em, I can see how my behavior could be seen as not very nice. And whether I thought it was something else, I can certainly see how it could be seen as not very nice. I'm going to try to do better. And ever since that moment, I've tried really hard to engage with everyone, not just store cashiers, but really everyone as a human in trying to, uh, you know, have a positive conversation. My wife is really good at it. And I would look at her and go like, why are you having a conversation with that person? You just met them. You know, you're, you're telling them, you know, our whole life story, like 
Well, that's actually a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good to make those connections. So she's my original connector. And that experience with my daughter and the cashier at the supermarket was a thing that turned it around for me and helped me develop positive relationships with people. Mm. What legacy do you want to leave? <laughs> uh, the, the legacy, uh, well, that I tried to help others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's it. And uh, I've, I've gone through life and tried to uh, uh, teach others some of the lessons learned that I've had so that they don't have to go through the same things. Sometimes it might be perceived as, as uh, I, I don't know, I hate, to, I hate to use this phrase, mansplaining because it's, whoop, because it's not it's not that hey, hey, hey. um and that and that <laughs> uh i just simply like to share if i've been through a situation i like to share uh you know the negative experience that i might have had so somebody else can avoid it and uh but bottom line is uh i've i would say that probably my rearview mirror for my career is a bit bigger than than others so if I've seen a lot, then I'd like to share, you know, those experiences, both positive and negative, so that others can excel and you know where they are and and avoid some of the hiccups that I've gone through. Okay, Barry, tell the listeners how they can connect with you, how they can um, purchase your book, and whatever else you have going on. All right. Well, thank you for that, Trina. Well, first of all, let me offer uh, everyone a free resource, and that is uh, on my website uh, at barrymoline.com. There's a a two-page handout. Uh, It's 30-plus icebreakers, and these are conversation sparkers, things that you can use in a lot of situations, both in the workplace and also at parties to get the conversation going. So it's at barrymoline.com slash resources. And right there on the page, uh, icebreakers and very easy to find. Uh, the book is available on Amazon. It's, it's connect exclamation point. Connect, uh, probably best to look at it, connect Barry Moline. Because if you put in Connect, it wants to sell you uh, Connect Four. I think is the uh, the game, and uh, the uh, but the book uh, I think is uh, is I think it's no, I think it's less than five star reviews. I think somebody gave me a four stars, so it's like four point you know nine on the <laughs> review uh, star uh, evaluation. Uh, still the. Uh, a lot of great techniques in the book. I think most important is that we learn not so much by getting a list of things to do. We learn by seeing the example of others. And there's a lot of great case studies in the book. And, and then, of course, on my website, there's a blog. So I'm always leaving lots of tidbits there. And soon to be on my website, I'm starting up a, a, uh, a podcast called leadership secrets and uh that'll be out soon so 
So look for that. Lots of great ideas about leadership. Wow. Well, definitely we're going to check that out. Well, Barry, thank you so much for being on Trina Talk. It's been a joy connecting with you. Um, <laughs> hopefully we'll stay in contact with each other. Awesome. Thank you, Trina. I've loved the conversation and all the great curveballs you threw me there at the end. Boy, oh boy, I really appreciate that and the, and the thoughtful conversation. If you like Trina Talk Podcast, please don't forget to go out to iTunes and rate it five stars and leave a review. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination.